Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis. Today's episode is going to be the first two things you should do with your new dog, and it doesn't matter if it's a puppy or it's an old dog that you've adopted or rescued. Here's two things that you have to do. It's not the only two things, but it's two things that have significantly changed my life with my dogs as well as my clients, and I don't talk about it too often. So we're going to get into this now. First thing is understanding that bonding is going to happen naturally. So uh, oftentimes people will uh, kind of make this bigger deal than it needs to be. Um, If you're going to, you know, if you have a family or you have a partner or whatever, like everyone knows, okay, this is your dog. Um, So if this is your dog, your dog will know that. You will obviously know that uh, because you're going to be spending the majority of the time with the dog. You're going to be feeding the dog, letting the dog out with you know some help from others. But if you're the sole person, the bonding experience is going to come natural. Um, so don't worry about that too much. <clears throat> That's a very common thing that people kind of like worry about a lot. Um, yeah, you can take a couple of days off of work. You can spend extra time. That's totally fine. Enjoy your new dog. Enjoy every minute of it. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But that bonding experience will come naturally. So getting into the first thing is going to be engagement. So one of the things I did with Lakota when she was a puppy, which a lot of people compliment and ask me questions on today, is her engagement, her laser focused, her 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 focus to me is incredible. And the reason why it's incredible is because when she was a puppy, What I did is I taught her engagement drills. So what I would do is I would get a treat pouch filled. I have a no bad dog treat pouch filled with her um, kibble or her treats. And this started at eight weeks. So don't wait for for anything with your dog. Uh, That's the other common mistake I find people to make is they wait. So I started at eight weeks with this. And what I did is I just would have her on a leash and we'd be sitting down and every time that she looked at me, I would say yes and I would pay her. And so I did this every day in an in kind of an exercise. Obviously, I couldn't do it all day, but I did it in exercises where I would just be with her on the leash. Every time she looked at me, I would pay her. I'd say yes, boom, yes, boom. So what happens is, is your dog will obviously look at you more because you have something for them or you've paid them at some point for looking at you. But they also understand that valuable things come from you. And they also understand that they need to go through you to get those valuable things. So you can also do this with like your food bowl or your toy. So just get that engagement. Your dog looks at you, put the food bowl down. Yes. And you could do this several times. You don't have to just do it the one time where you put the food down and then, you know, that's it. Um, so meaning if you have a cup of food down for your dog and you do it one time and you let your dog eat the whole thing, you can only do it once. So get creative. Think about, think outside the box, put a quarter cup in, the dog looks at you. Yes. Pay the dog, pick it back up, put another quarter cup in, the dog looks at you. Yes. So that way you can do it depending on how much food you put in four to 10 times. And that's great. So 
that's one thing that you can start doing is just implementing um, the engagement there. And that's really, really helpful for your dog to check in with you. And again, just start off on the right foot uh, for your dog to understand that they need you in order to get what they want. And it also just creates this chain and this kind of this loop of, I want something, I'm going to go to this person. Because every time I look at this person or I'm around this person, I get what I want. And that's just a great way to start. And uh, pretty soon you can start doing these things off leash and um, it's really nice. So I, <clears throat> the other thing that you can do just on top of this is maybe just add in the dog's name. So like, Lakota, yes, boom. Lakota, yes, boom. So just that's voice recognition too for the puppy owners out there. But that's just easy, 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 guys. Like super easy. And even today, if you guys have seen Lakota work with me all the time, people are like, wow, she's so laser focused. She's so laser focused. And it's just because she, she knows that looking at me releases the ball or releases the tug or releases the food or releases the break. And so that's why. And again, like I don't talk about that often and it's very simple. It's very easy and you could do it with any dog. So that's the first thing that I would recommend start doing. That's always fun. The second thing is, is kind of a combination of boundaries and breaks. So again, it doesn't matter if your dog is eight weeks or eight years old or eight months. What you want to do is start creating thresholds and boundaries. So there's two things. I talk an immense amount on this with my Kickstarter course, which is like a reset course. And one of the things, there's two things to the boundaries is you're teaching your dog again to basically get permission to exit a crate or exit a door or exit the car or the trunk or whatever. So they're, they're waiting for your release, which is the break, which we'll talk about. But the, it's nice to have your dog wait for you, but it's also so big, so big for your relationship. This means that your dog respects you. This means that your dog has boundaries. This just makes it safer for your dog, especially, excuse me, especially when your dog is like in the car, for an example. And I did this, oh, excuse me. I did this the other day with a friend's dog is we opened up the back, back gate and the dog just boom, rushed out doesn't matter if you're in a parking lot, rest stop, busy area in the highway, your dogs just rush out and you just kind of wrangle them. Uh, Two things, that's not good because your dogs aren't waiting for your permission, which is not good because that just means that they're any time that they want something or any time that their brain says go, they go. There's no filter, there's no wall, there's no processing, there's no, can I do this? It's just go. That would be extremely deadly for so many different humans out there, small kids. And that's why we hold mommy and daddy's hand, make sure you ask for permission, all these things that we have in play because we don't want our kids to see a ball on the other side of the road and just run. So same thing with dogs, you know, just creating those boundaries is really big for your overall relationship. Because I talked about this in a couple podcasts ago, but your overall relationship will also play a huge role and how your dog mentally handles situation, how stable they are, how content they are. These are really important things as we talk about dogs developing a relationship. And again, if they're an eight-month-old dog or an eight-week-old dog, these are extremely crucial topics, extremely crucial exercises that we're working through. They're absolutely invaluable to the sustainability of your dog's mental health and just your overall experience with your dog. Do you want your dog to ask for permission or do you want your dog to just do whatever they want and plow through whoever is in front of them if they want to get out of a car? 
So don't wait for these things. Start with your threshold. So like for puppies or for smaller dogs, uh, you can simply do this by start off with doing, again, any threshold you can think of. I can talk about the crate where you would put the dog in the crate. If you're crate training, you're feeding the dog into the crate, whatever. You would essentially, uh, do. you could do a wait or you can do a stay or you can just do an implied. It's it's a lot easier to just do a stay or a wait. Um, so you'll open the crate door. The dog's going to want to rush out. And then you just shut the crate door, shut the crate door, shut the crate door. And then the moment you open the crate door and the dog doesn't rush out, you say break. And then you break the dog out. And then you pay him. Yes, good job. Yay. And then maybe you give him another treat or something. But the objective is, is for the dog to look at you, like we talked about earlier, and then you go, okay, or break, and then the dog breaks through. So it's just having that impulse control, having that respect, having that boundary, having that leadership. Again, all of these huge monumental things that dogs need to be stable and live a good life is what we're talking about right here at a very granular level. This is exactly where you start it. This is how it all works. Uh, so think about those things as you're working through these situations. So the other thing is is the uh, the doors. Very common. Every single dog on this planet is going to have to go through a door. So you can start this very easily if you're not crate training and or both. So you get your dog on a leash, collar. You know, if they're a puppy, you can use a martingale or whatever. That's what I use with, with my puppies is a martingale in the pretty much their whole life. Uh, I don't really switch off a martingale. Uh, unless I do e-collar work or for off-leash, which still they're martingale trained. So as you're working the door with your dog, same thing. You're going to open up that door. And if this is something you haven't worked on with your dog, your dog's going to go through. So no permission, no asking, no wall. I'm gone. Thank you very much. And yep, that's your relationship. Terrible, terrible, terrible way for a dog to live their life. It's not a good, it's not ideal. I wouldn't suggest uh, having that life with your dog. And if you do, this is these are ways to start changing these things. Asking for permission, having respect, having boundaries, having leadership skills, all these things are really important because they bubble up everywhere. So for an example, again, <clears throat> you pull up just as a whole, like as a macro, you pull up to a, I don't know, ice cream shop. You got three kids in the back. You pull up before your car's in park and the P lights up, the kids are busting out the doors and running across a busy parking lot. So the granule thing is the kids are running across the parking lot, okay? But how did they get there? They got there because you as a parent, or in this case a dog owner, have allowed them to push open doors figuratively figuratively and physically You've allowed them to push open doors, break open doors without any reason not to, without any discipline, without any structural like discipline at that moment, uh, any any gates, any boundaries, nothing. They just do it. So that's what a lot of people, like that's what dogs do, right? So my friend's dog who came over, same thing. They, my, they were in the back of the car and I opened the car and they wanted to rush out. I'm like, okay, here's how to stop this. Five minutes later, done, over. Next. So we put them out in the back, <clears throat> the backyard, and they were again just oh just just puppies, and they're like six months old or something, and they were just going crazy, right? They were jumping up on the screen, they were jumping up on the house, the siding, the window, they were scratching, they were just losing their minds. But it's not like it's a it's a whole picture thing. It's a whole picture thing. Like you very rarely have a really misbehaved dog 
in one category and then in other places they're the best. It's really just a whole picture. Again, just like kids. The kid that's running through Walmart knocking everything off the, the shelves screaming is probably the same kid that's throwing a fit at the dinner table while you're out to eat and you have to shove an iPad in their face. Like it's a, it's an overall thing and that's how you should think about it. And that's why development is so important. It's not a it's not a one stop shop of my dog pulls. My dog doesn't come back. My dog doesn't listen. My dog jumps. My dog barks. All of those things are for the same reason, period. It's because you have allowed them to escalate and and spiral out of control to get to that point where they're just absolutely out of control and they're brats and they're doing whatever they want and you can't tell them anything. And these are, you know, almost all the clients that I work with, but I'm trying to save you guys from dealing with getting to that point. So just having those thresholds is absolutely crucial to develop that relationship. So you go to the door with your leash, your martingale collar, you open the door, your dog's going to say, hey, we're going out. And then you just use leash pressure. You can hold them. You don't even have to correct them. You can just use your leash and hold them. And they're just going to keep pulling. The moment they stop pulling, you release your leash pressure and you say, okay, break. And then you 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 walk out with the dog and you cue to them with your with your body and your voice. You say, break. And then the dog walks out. And that's a great way to start developing that. Okay, now you can do what you want. Now you can be a dog. <clears throat> so that say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba break command in conjunction with that boundary setting is you got to have both. So again, you guys can think about any boundaries you want to start setting, but at the end of the day, your dog should ask you for permission to go out of certain things. And this is again, it's like, wow, your dog just waited for you to break them through the door. Amazing. And it is, but at a bigger scale, your dog is safe. Your dog is using their brain your dog knows that you're a good leader, which promotes and helps with confidence and your overall relationship with your dog. And your dog has structure, your dog has boundaries, your dog has discipline, your dog has respect. All of those things dogs need to live a really healthy, sustainably, really nice life, right? So starting young would just checking them at the door. So yeah, it's cool that my dog stays here, but it's cool because my dog will listen to me when I talk. My dog will do what I want them to do when I say something because, again, when we get dogs, we just let them do whatever they want and they're puppies and we're – I hear that a lot where we just wait for their dogs. They're just like, oh, they're only six months. Every dog I've ever had has been fully off-leash level three obedience trained before six months. And the next puppy I'm getting uh, should be March, uh, hopefully – we are going to do like a whole thing. 
about like puppy raising and i'll show you from because with lakota we did some stuff you can find it early on in my youtube but obviously my production and i was like i don't know in my 20s at that time so we weren't really filming like we are now so we're going to do this with a puppy and as the puppy grows up at six months people are going to say oh my god so well behaved so obedient how did you and i'm going to say you can look back on exactly how i did it and how I did it is exactly what I'm telling you guys right now. It's how I'm going to do it is just having those boundaries. And it's not just my opinion. It's what's, it's what's in front of you too. It's like, this is the dog. And you know, same thing with Lakota. People are always talking about that and that's why. So having those boundaries and breaks are really important. And the break command, you guys, is basically signifying to the dog that they can be in a break. So if you're developing the heel command or this is probably another podcast I'll talk about extensively with the break because it's so important and it's so overlooked. But when you're asking your dog to do something, you're beginning the behavior with a verbal cue. So you may say, Lakota sit. So the dog knows, okay, I'm going into a sit. So they put their butt on the ground. Now, if you don't cue them to be free, then they don't know when they can get out of that sit unless they just guess. And if they play the guessing game, they're not too sure about if they can get out or not because sometimes you might say, no, 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 you have to go back into a sit. And then other times you might say, okay, go get the ball or run around. Like you have to have that break cue. And the break cue is really important early on in conjunction with these boundaries and these thresholds that we're talking about. So again, putting the dog into a sit at the door or a stay at the door holding and then breaking the dog through putting the dog into the crate and after the crate you basically shut the door until they stop forging forward and then the moment they just sit there and they're like okay you say okay break and then they're like oh okay so i need your break in order to get out and those are really important things to develop with the dog early on because again it's like kids like you dogs grow up so much faster mentally and physically obviously but you know take like a four-year-old boy or girl and they don't if, if you haven't really allocated the time to teach them that you are mom or dad or the leader, they don't know. And it sounds crazy. You're like, oh, who would ever do that? But you'd be surprised how many dogs walk into my facility and they could care less about the person hanging onto that leash and they've lived with them for six months to a year. And they don't respect them. They don't care about them. They'll turn around and bite them. They'll freak out on the leash. They'll run away. They won't listen. The whole nine. And if that sounds like you... All of those things that I just mentioned are because of the lack of what I'm talking about, which is why the Kickstarter course is so like a restart. Um, so if you guys are interested in that, I go into that obviously in depth in the Kickstarter course uh, on, with video, but it's the same stuff that we talk about. So same thing when you're doing obedience, like just in general, when we put a dog into a sit, we do not want them to break that sit until we release them. And again, don't think about, well, I don't really care if they get out of the sit after 30 seconds, but they need to know that you have said, okay, now you can do what you want. It's very, very, very important for your overall relationship uh, with your dog. So those two things, again, um, hand feeding and getting engagement and paying the dog for that stickiness mentally that they have in you every time they look at you. Yeah, good job. Every time they look at you. Yeah, good job. Every time they look at you. Yeah, good job. Things like that. Um, Really, really great. Really, really cool. Uh, and then the other thing, again, like we just talked about, is going to be the boundaries and the break. 
So what you guys can take into consideration what I've said and kind of plug it into your life and what it's going to be uh, with your dog now and, and the puppies in the future. Just have those boundaries and have those clarity because that's where, again, like you see a lot of the videos that I, I work with dogs, a lot of these dogs you guys have to understand, which is really important. The con- The context to this is really important is like, yeah, we put a lot of prong collars and e-collars and slip leashes and equipment on dogs. It's because we're getting dogs that have never been trained. So we have to immediately come out with equipment. Like I just worked with a German Shepherd a couple of weeks ago on my YouTube channel, and he's a six-month-old heavy puller. If he was taught from the very beginning when he was a puppy, which the dog owner may seem like, oh, he still is a puppy, and from a dog training standpoint, professionally, I'm like, no. Yeah, physically, maybe he's still a puppy, but he's he should be completely awfully trained like Lakota at this point. So my point is, is I put a, I put a prong collar on a big 50 pound dog because they're already going to do damage to their throat if I use anything else. Right. So just having, having that context for you is really important is the more training you do in, in the beginning stages, the less worry and problems you're going to have in the future. And again, I can't say it enough. Don't wait, please don't wait. Every dog you see pretty much almost every dog you see in my program is people waiting. Every dog you see in my program are people who don't what's they don't have what's in the Kickstarter course and things like that. So those two things are really important. Those boundaries and those breaks, guys. Start introducing that break command. Start introducing the boundaries. Those are two really important things on top of the engagement that you guys can start working on. Very, very overlooked. Don't talk about it a lot. I wanted to make this specifically so you guys can get a get a head start on what you want to do with your dog and the things that will help your dog, um, you know, become more successful. So now I'm going to answer three of your dog training questions. As you guys know, if you, if you have questions and you want me to answer them, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and I'll answer them next episode. Um, this first one comes from, uh, River 555, which we've had a question from before. So, hey, Tom, I have no idea how many times I've changed this question. So I have two dogs, one Blue Healer, one German Shepherd, and I don't have an e-collar or anything like that. Thinking about buying one, but I don't want to do it wrong. Um, Sometimes my German Shepherd will bark while while children are playing on the trampoline, and we tell him to go to the kennel, and he listens, so I just don't know what to do. I'm under. My German Shepherd will bark at children, while playing on the trampoline and we tell him to go to his kennel and he lists and he listens. So I just don't know what to do. If over time I'm going to make him stop going to the kennel on command, I don't want to use the kennel as punishment, but I don't really know what else to do with him. And sometimes any other case with the blue healer, he, so what I would do is just, you can do two things. You can assertively correct the dog as he's barking to just say, Hey, you can be next to the dogs while they're jumping or the kids. You can have fun. You can watch them. He's policing kids, jumping, moving, screaming, bouncing that makes him really excited so you can uh you can definitely correct the dog for that or instead of kenneling the dog like if i'm out in my backyard and my dog is habitually barking at something on the other side of the fence it would be look what to come down stay done so instead of kenneling your dog every time recall your dog to you put him in a down stay and then break him after but again if the barking continues to happen and persist, then I would just be a little bit more assertive, put your dog on a leash, go up to the trampoline say, Hey, you can be here, but you can't bark because the barking is like, you know, really annoying. But I mean, your dog is going to bark because that's what dogs will do in these circumstances. So you're not going to get rid of that. You're going to suppress it. You're going to manage it. But that's what I would do. Like I would just recall the dog and down them in the yard instead of, 
anything else or just manage your your expectations a little bit better like oh we're gonna have five kids come out and jump on the trampoline my dog's gonna go crazy put your dog inside put your dog inside it's over it's my answer next one comes from herding dogs for life hey very grateful hey tom i just wanted to take a minute to say thank you uh you have a gift and your drive and passion allows me to make difference allows you to make difference for people like me. I found your channel in a time of desperation as my vet was really pushing me to euthanize my two-year-old Kirby and rehoming was not ethical and a good decision. I was devastated, but I didn't feel right doing it until I tried everything. Long story short, I binged all your free content via videos and podcasts, and it really blows my mind the amount of information and help I was able to doing just that. We are on a great path, and I hope to purchase your courses soon, and I can keep learning and also support you. It's apparent that helping the dogs is the most important thing to you. So thank you again for all you do. That's amazing. I share that on my Instagram. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing with me. We get like we get stuff like that all the time. I'm very, very happy about that. So thank you always. Um, next one comes from Maverick and Jania. Uh, question for you. My best friend recommended you and others. She's a beginner trainer. She resource okay, so she doesn't really she resources guard she resourced guard me. She resourced me to a slip leash before a prong and a prong before an e-collar. I currently have a slip leash and I'm trying to get him off the regular leash. My dog is a shepherd mix. Um he was living at my parents for a few months before I settled into my apartment with my new job and lived on the farm with plenty of acreage. And my boyfriend and parents kept saying, don't bring him to the apartment, keep him on all the land. And I agree, but my parents never kept up with this training. Uh, my, I'm just trying to get to the question here. So I don't, geez, um, oh, this is so long. Um, I don't mean to complain. I'm not trying to complain. I'm just saying this is, I don't need a lot of this background. Uh, I'm trying to find the question. My goal is to have a dog that can follow and obey me. That's not too far from my eyesight that can eyesight without a leash and just a knee collar so I can get my stuff done because I'm a very busy person myself. I want to be able to travel with him, go hiking off leash. And I would love um, to do recall outside of the public while I was trying to get something out of my car apartment. When I stayed at my mom's on the farm with the barrier of the trees, I had no problem with him leaving because he knew his boundaries and respected me more. It seemed, um, I noticed that he gets bored at a lot of things. Okay. Question. So what am I, what am I asking with activity? So what I'm asking is what activity can I do to recall him so that he obeys after obsessive distractions? The worries is if I use an e-collar, he's going to get used to that and not obey me and let him roam. So the e-collar is, um, the e-collar is not that, so it depends on how you do e-collar training, but the remote collar is an extension of your voice. Your dog is responding to your voice, not the re- not the e-collar. The e-collar is your enforcer. So that means if your dog is traveling outside of wherever you want them to be and you say come, then they would come. And if they don't, you enforce with the remote collar after you've taught the dog what the remote collar is, how to turn it off and where it's coming from. Uh, so that's, that's that. Um, so it's not, so alternatively it would be if you do e-collar training wrong and your dog gets away from you without saying anything and you use the e-collar, then yes, your dog would only use, listen to the e-collar and that's just a not, that's that's not how I train. That's just not a great sustainable way to train. So there's that. Um, the next question is, I want, to easy, I want easy communication between him and I. What are type of communication I can use 
um, for an obsessed reactive dog. The only communication I know is eye contact, hand gestures, and that only works for so long. Um, any, literally anything else. So sit down, stay. What types of communication I can use for obsessive sniffers and reactive dogs? The only communication I know is eye contact and hand gestures. Use your voice. I don't, I don't know why that would, I don't know why you wouldn't just use your voice. If you're just using eye contact and hands, um, I think using your voice would be absolutely important to this for Maverick. Um, so yeah, that's important. There you go. Easy peasy. And I would just like try to make your life a lot easier by looking at the problems that you're having. The, the podcast I posted before, um, just one before this will be really helpful for you. Cool. Next one comes from Luddy 13 Tom, thank you for all your hard work and effort with this podcast. Your passion truly shines, and we are so grateful we have found you. Excellent approach and content has really made my, my work commute more enjoyable. We have two neutered males, a five-year-old lab and a two-year-old rescue super mutt. Um, our rescue has reactivity. Our rescue has reactivity to people and dogs and also extreme fearful of loud noises, movements, new places, etc. No bite history. We have made huge progress with positive reinforcement behavioral trainer over a year and he has now let us leash him up, leave the house and actually enjoy walks. He has gained a lot of confidence inside the home and outside the home. We are still struggling with management of his reactivity when guests come, come over. He does start to warm up to those he gets desensitized to after about 10 visits. My question is, would it be appropriate with this kind of fear reactivity to utilize the prong collar for correction in the house? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next step may be like a plastic pinch collar, though. Um, I think that would be helpful as well. My concern would be that the use of the correction and how they may impact the progress we've made. No. Yeah. So the, the guys, I can't say this enough. So the prong, excuse me, the prong, excuse me again, the prong collar is a correction. It's an extension of you. So many people will do, they, no matter how much content I put out, how much education I put out, this is just going to happen for the rest of my being. The prong collar or any collar that you use, e-collar, martingale, harness, gentle leader, anything that you use is an extension of you. So don't think of, well, I don't want to use the prong because of this, or I don't want to use the e-collar because of this. You can think that. I shouldn't say that. You can think that all you want. But you have to understand that that's just an extension of you. It's like, again, when you're building a house and you're like, well, I really don't want to use a ladder. Then don't. Get a crane. Well, I really don't want to use a screwdriver. Then don't. Use some use different screws. I really don't want to use don't you don't have to use these things. What the prong collar does is it allows you to correct your dog safer instead of slamming on your dog's neck with a flat collar. That's it. So you I think a lot of people overlook like and the same thing with the e-collar. I don't want to have to use the e-collar. The e-collar is like going from I've been writing emails by hand and sending them through the mail, licking the stamp and sending it every day and then advancing to technology. So you don't have to go to an email. You can send you can still send your direct messages Two people via the post US, USPS, the, the posted man or woman, you can do that all you want. You don't have to use technology. You don't have to use a bronco. You don't have to use a slip leash. You don't have to use anything that you don't want to do. But you just have to, what you should be asking yourself is what is the, the purpose of these collars or these tools? Okay. And then if it's beneficial to you, then use it. So that's really important. So again, I'm just going to reread this. My question is, if it would be appropriate in this kind of fear reactivity to utilize a prong collar for a correction in the house. Yes. 
if you're using a flat collar, you're going to do far more damage with a flat collar than anything else that you'll use only because you're just, A, you're continuing to let the dog continue to bark and have reactivity, which is where you're at now. So that's stressful. That sucks. That's chronic stress. It's terrible. It's chronic fear. Not good. Chronic anxiety. Not good. If you correct the dog effectively and actually it means something to the dog, the stress is going to go away. The fear is going to go away. The anxiety is going to go away and they can start thinking. So yeah, I guess, I guess I'm just like confused on why people have this misconception of what these things are, but that's okay. I'll keep making videos and content and podcasts and everything else. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope it was helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm out of questions. So if you guys have any questions, let me know in the iTunes review chart and I'll answer them next episode. Talk to you guys later. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.